Chapter Eighteen of Old Wells Dug Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Payne. Old Wells Dug Out by Thomas Talmage. Objections to Free Churches Answered. The rich and poor meet together, the Lord is the maker of them all. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2. Last Sabbath I discoursed to you from these words, arguing in behalf of a free Christian church. I showed you, as well as I could, that it was a scriptural idea, that it was the only practicable mode of city evangelization, that it appealed to a class of persons who would not otherwise be met that so far as we ourselves were concerned all the providential indications were in that direction and then lastly that such an organization would enlist the sympathies of men of the world as no other organization could i resume the subject where i left it what do you suppose christ thinks of the present mode of conducting church finances if jesus were now to alight upon earth and build a church and assume its pastorate would it be necessary for men to pay money in order to have seats in that church from what you know of christ's treatment of the widow with two mites and of mary magdalene and of the poor man by the wayside do you think that a man's position in that particular church of christ would be regulated according to the number of dollars that he could pay no says every man that idea would be abhorrent to christ well then i say it ought to be abhorrent to us do you wonder that there have been so many troubles in the churches that many of them have fought like beasts at ephesus fought about the site upon which to build fought about the architecture fought about the choir fought about the minister, fought before church, fought after church, fought all the week. Some of you know that the great conflicts of the last fifty years have been church troubles. If our churches were all regulated by the principles of Christ's religion, do you not believe that there would be a cessation to such combat? But, says someone, we must stick to the old plan lest we shall not get on successfully in our finances as though the present mode in the churches of conducting church finances were a success far from it three-fourths of the churches of christ in this land are in debt and in three-fourths of them the income does not equal the outgo and at the end of the year a few generous men have to come together and make up the deficit or some general effort is made on the part of the congregation to regulate the indebtedness. Ah, the regulation of church finances by the past mode is a positive failure. Everybody knows that churches are the poorest pay, and that if a bank or an insurance company were conducted in the same slipshod manner, so thoroughly inefficient, that it would be discredited and wiped out of existence. If the old mode of conducting church finances in the religious organizations had been thoroughly successful, 
then we might be on our guard but as the fact is in nine cases out of ten it has been a failure i say there is no danger in floating off from it but this brings me to answer the first objection which can be made to a free church and that is that it cannot be financially supported you say that there is a great deal of expensive machinery in a church there is the coal bill and the gas bill and the insurance bill and the expenses of sexton and music and minister and as free churches ought to be conducted on a large and a generous scale there will be extraordinary expenses ah we admit all this in a free church the music should be of the best possible character every hymn storming the very gates of heaven the church architecture ought to be plain but imposing the people seated face to face in the great congregation the preaching ought to be earnest indeed it is a great deal easier to preach in such a church than in any other if a man has been for a long time at a banquet and five or six courses of food have been passed before him then when the plain bread is presented he rejects it but if you take that plain bread to men who for forty-eight hours have had nothing to eat how they will clutch for it now i simply say that a vast majority of the people who have been attending our christian churches have been stuffed for these twenty years with the confections of religion and when we present them the plain bread of the gospel they do not want it but if we should gather into our churches the outside masses who are starving for this bread of life with what earnestness and with what avidity they would seize upon it but you say the support of a church with such music and with such architecture and earnest preaching would be very expensive and how will you meet the indebtedness i answer by annual subscription and by sabbath collections but you say there will be mean men who will come and occupy the pews and pay nothing and so the financial interests of the church will go overboard i acknowledge that there are mean men in churches there are men with souls so small that fifty of them might dance on the point of a needle and have room to turn around without touching their elbows i had in my church at syracuse new york a man of comfortable means who gave nothing for the support of the gospel but friday night after friday night i heard him pray that the pastor might be blessed in his basket and store while all the time i was thinking if i were dependent upon you i would have a very small basket and a very poor store the man is gone to a better country and where i hope he can live more economically but while there are mean men in the church i want you to understand that the majority of people who come to the house of god are not of that class in our tabernacle which was conducted on the free principle there were only three or four such persons my observation is that if you take a common-sense principle and lay it before common-sense men and say that it is for the improvement of society and the bettering of the condition of the world men will generously support it and as nine-tenths of the people in a community 
can understand the free church principle when it is plainly set before them i believe that plan may anywhere and everywhere be developed i have as much doubt of the existence of god and of a future world and of the blessedness of the gospel as i have of the willingness of the people to support a free church in any town or city in all this country in other words i have no doubt at all says someone is it right to put ministers of the gospel in a way where they shall have an uncertainty of livelihood i reply by saying that if a man have a million dollars and he give you a check for twenty five dollars when you go to the bank and present that check you know there is such a large margin between the man's capacity and that small check that you have no doubt that it will be promptly cashed now christ says to his ministers go and preach my gospel i am able to take care of you i will take care of you lo i am with you alway even unto the end of the world the cattle on a thousand hills are mine all the treasures of the universe are at my feet go work in my vineyard and you shall want for no good thing alas then if we who are in the ministry fold our hands and begin to tremble and say dear lord that is a beautiful principle but where is my salary to come from besides that i want you to remember that the young men who will be willing to connect themselves with the free churches of this country though they may not have large means now with which to help you still they are after a while to shoulder the great church enterprises who are your poor men today largely they who twenty years ago were in affluence who are your rich men today those who twenty years ago were in poverty struggling up from the very foot of the ladder i say these young men who are clerks in our stores on five hundred dollars a year or a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred will after a while under god be the mighty men on change and though now when they connect themselves with your church they may be of little or no financial help after they have made their fortunes as they will every dollar of those fortunes will be consecrated to christ so that we may look in that direction and feel that there will be help my friends unless the great masses of the people can be brought into our churches what is to become of our cities do you know the fact that crime and debauchery and every sort of abomination are triumphing in our great towns just take out your pencils and make a calculation it is only a question in common arithmetic how long if evil influences continue to increase at the same ratio how long before the religion of christ in our cities will be discomfited and our churches destroyed in less than a century as certain as two and two make four unless some other plan is tried yet we know that religion is to triumph and that sin is to go down and that christ is to reign in all our cities but it will be by some other plan it will be when the churches of christ are thrown wide open and the people told to come in without any regard to their financial qualifications and hear the gospel and get prepared for heaven 
the possibility of establishing and sustaining such a church is strengthened by the idea that men will support home institutions rather than foreign how many of you were ever kept awake at night because the gospel does not prosper in greenland how many ever refused food because there is heathenism in guatemala none but when you can bring before men the question what is to become of brooklyn will the people who live over the way on our street without the consolation of jesus christ ever have his sympathies in their troubles will those children who play on the sidewalk come up under the restraints of our holy religion then it is a question that appeals to every man's heart it is a home question he can understand it and will be willing to support it i will illustrate during the last war in my church in philadelphia one sabbath we took up a collection for foreign missions a most important cause and i urged it with all my might asking god for help the collection was not as large as it ought to have been the next sabbath night while i was in the pulpit a man handed me a telegram i opened it and i read it to the people it was an appeal from the army before richmond saying there are three thousand men down here bleeding to death send us lint send us bandages and send us cordials send us christian men and women to bind up the wounded i had not long to speak i read the telegram and then i said men and women these are your fathers and these are your brothers dying before the gates of richmond will you send them cordials will you send them bandages will you send them lint pass the buckets the collection was gathered and the baskets came back burdened with the trophies people took off their gold rings and their breastpins and threw them into the contribution it was a home question it struck every man's heart every woman's conscience and the treasures were poured forth now i say when you can make the people of this country understand that the religious question is a home question when we can make them feel that while we have moral responsibility for the salvation of hong kong and peking and madras and constantinople we have a mightier responsibility for brooklyn when we can make them feel that in the support of a free church they not only contribute toward the religious education of their own families but of all who come within the house of god the generosity of the people will exceed anything you have ever anticipated again some have objected to a free church because it destroys the home feeling and it is a forcible objection it is so mighty an objection that if i cannot meet it i will surrender the principle advocated destroy the home feeling father sitting here in the church mother sitting there children somewhere else or if the church be crowded some sabbath you cannot get in at all we want our families beside us in the house of god seated with us here we hope to worship with them in heaven to this objection my answer is in every free church let the pews be formally assigned without reference to the dollar question priority of application giving priority of choice 
pew not to be forfeited except in the event of bad behavior or non-attendance then a man seated in it with his family has a home feeling more so than in any other style of church if disaster comes to him and his fortune is gone and he can pay nothing and he has to bring his children home from the school and move from a fine house into a smaller one and put on plainer apparel he sits down in the house of god and says here is a house from which i am certain not to be turned out here we will be prepared for heaven if in the one case there is a home feeling when the pew rent system is in force and men may be driven out because they lose their fortune and cannot pay their pew rent i ask you if there is not a better home feeling in that church where a man feels that no earthly disaster shall affect his occupancy if home feeling is found in any church on earth it will be found in a free church the seats formally assigned and occupied but there are others who may oppose the free church principle on the ground that it obliterates social distinction it is an objection oftener thought than spoken but it is a really solid objection it is an important question what shall be the social influences amidst which my family will be placed if we go to that church i believe in good blood and that there is such a thing as bad blood i believe in royal blood in some families the tide seems all in the wrong way in other families the tide seems all in the right way i have known a father and a mother mean and their children mean and their grandchildren mean and the rule going on to the tenth generation perhaps for all eternity in another family i have seen father and mother good and their children good and their grandchildren good the tide of virtue and generosity going on through all generations therefore i believe in family blood i admit that god never calls a man if he is intelligent to associate with ignorance or if he be elegant to associate with boorishness or if he be virtuous to associate with vice why says somebody i am afraid to go to such a church as you are describing because there may be some that come to that church whom i would not like to associate with and how would i feel if some of my family should marry a scavenger ah my friend we might have the board of trustees resolve that no one need marry a scavenger unless she wants to in every free church just as in every pew rental church you will pick your own society while your christian heart may dictate kindness and courtesy to all whom you meet on sabbaths you will not be obliged to run to those who sit in the same church and tell them all your family affairs or invite them to your house that is not requisite if there be in a pew rental church fifty social circles then in every free church there will be fifty social circles i can think of only one class of persons that will be very much offended with that style of church i admire a man who has made a large fortune honestly and who holds it usefully i admire the perseverance and the pluck and the ingenuity and the tact i rejoice in his success 
and I pray to God that the hand of commercial disaster may never dethrone him. But men who, by some freak of good fortune, are thrown to the top, and who use their means for the purpose of fattening their own vanity, and of wounding the feelings of those who are not as fortunate as themselves, excite in me such unbounded loathing and contempt that I dare not trust myself to speak of them. They are in my nostrils, like the stench of summer carrion, and if the hand of commercial disaster shall tear off from them their gold and their diamonds and their trinkets, it will take one of McAllister's best and most powerful microscopic apparatus to make visible to the naked eye the nauseous insects, their wealth equaled by their stupidity and their ignorance. Such men will abhor the idea of a free Christian church, but rich men and poor men, high and low men, educated men and ignorant men who believe in the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God will accept the principle laid down in the text and rejoice when in any church it is illustrated. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Now, my friends, I have answered these objections to a free church, not because my own congregation made them, they do not make objections, but thinking that there might be some who are about to connect themselves with us who do not know the principles upon which our church is to be founded. I will say that my soul is absorbed in this idea. It has been a matter of personal sacrifice to me that I have pleaded for it, and I say to all ministers of the gospel who may be in this house tonight, if their idea is a large salary and magnificent income, they had better never plead for a free church. But if, on the other hand, their idea is to bring the gospel of Christ to the masses of the people who are without Christ and without God in the world, then it is a very satisfactory idea and will give them a reward now in their own consciences and in the joys of heaven. I commit the principle first to God, and then I commit it to the masses of the people. I came out from among them. I know them altogether. I am in sympathy with them. My father and mother toiled with their hands until old age stooped their shoulders and made their eyesight very dim, and then they died, leaving us a glorious legacy, not in dollars and cents, but in prayers and Christian example that this world will never rob us of. In the hand of God that loved them and that I love, I trust this principle. I tell you plainly tonight that I would rather fail in this attempt to give the gospel to the masses than to succeed in anything else. Living or dying, in prosperity or in sorrow, in good report or in evil report, in the name of my Lord Jesus Christ, my hope in life, my peace in death, my triumph in eternity, I consecrate tonight body, mind, and soul to this one enterprise. Considering what God has done for us in the past, we would be cowards now to distrust him. O young men of my church, buckle on the whole armor of God. Do you know that if you start life in the service of Jesus Christ, you start well? 
I point you to night to a field of usefulness that God never opened a grander one. Do you know that into your hands are to come the mighty destinies of Christ's kingdom very soon? And I look you in the eye, and I ask you if, when in this battle these older men shall fall, you will catch up the standard? Quit you like men, be strong. Then I see in this audience men in middle life, from thirty to fifty years of age. What think you of giving a free gospel to the masses? If you want to make up for lost time, here is the chance to do it. You have been down in the world. You know what it is made of. You have deliberately concluded that it is a most unsatisfactory portion. Fall into line, O ye men in middle life, men between thirty and fifty years of age. The battle may be hot, but I am not afraid to lead you, and I wave the sword in front of the host, crying, Forward! Let cowards fly! Act ye like sons of God. But there are others here who linger by the banks of the river. They know that because of old age they must soon go over. You have had many a good time. Every wrinkle in your face ought to be a hallelujah. By what blood you have been bought. By what mercy you have been defended. You cannot sing these hymns with as firm a voice as once you sang them, and you came to this house tonight with trembling step, not as once you came to a religious assemblage, and you look around, and your comrades are gone, and your best friends are on the other side of the river, and you feel that soon you must go and join them. You feel just like a farmer on a summer day in the harvest field who says now boys it is almost night and the wind is from the east and it will storm before morning let us get in a few more sheaves for you the hour is coming in which no man can work and what you do you must do now there are yet two or three or four sheaves for you to reap for the lord's garner Oh, give us your prayers, aged men. Give us what strength there may be still remaining in your arm. And then, when you are gone, we will tell our children how well you served in the temple. And like Elisha, you will cry as when Elijah went up, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. What I say to one, I say to all. For those who sit beneath, to those who rise above me in the galleries. What you do for Christ, do quickly. The field is white, the sickle is sharp, the reward is grand, the time is short, the judgment is near. What thy hand findeth to do, do it now. Let me say that you ought to toil with great buoyancy. This whole earth is to be saved, and the cities are to be evangelized. I sometimes hear Christian people talk as though the Church of Christ is to be defeated, as though it were to be like one of those steamers, the city of Boston, or the President, that went out with a large cargo, and with many passengers, and has never come to port, and never will come to port. Some of you may have had friends on some of those steamers, and you waited and watched and said, I wonder on what iceberg they shivered. I wondered in what fire they burned, I wonder where they went down, 
and you cried out in your soul o oh, treacherous sea give back that ship give her back though it be with shivered mast and scarred bulkhead and pumps all working to keep out the leak and passengers with faces wan with hunger and eyes hollow with woe give her back the ocean answered not it only moaned to the beach and moaned to the sky ah says someone it will be just like that with the church she will never come into harbor i deny it she has had a rough time and been caught in many a hurricane and driven against many a rock and sometimes her commanders have been at their wits end and cried out we shall go down we shall go down christ stands at the helm and she shall outride the gale and when she drops anchor on the beach of pearl all heaven will throw out signals of delight and the standards will wave and the bells will ring because the voyage is over and the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest in that day of triumph will you be one of the victors are your sins pardoned are you ready for christian work will heaven be your home as i was entering the gates of this building tonight a man stopped me and said that man you saw last night at eight or nine o'clock is dead i said it cannot be possible i was there at nine o'clock and i said i will soon see you again for he was here last sabbath now they tell me he is gone are we all ready we cannot always be here it cannot be that all these people will meet each other again in this building when the atlantic struck mars head you read a good many telegrams going all over the country through the associated press but there was just one telegram that struck me as no other telegram i ever saw it was sent by some man whose friends were in detroit he had escaped from the wreck and amidst all that gloom and amidst the dead bodies that laid around him he wrote out a telegram of one word and it thrilled all through this land that word was saved oh what good news it must have been when the friends got it and i think there are some here tonight who have made shipwreck of their earthly prospects and they have been driven against the rocks of disaster and i cry out oh that now the strong hand of christ might be reached down to pull them up on the eternal shore and that the tidings might thrill to the throne saved and that watchmen standing on the ramparts of heaven might cry to people in the temple saved and the news run from street to street until all the city of the sun shall ring with the glorious announcement saved saved for there is joy among the angels of god over one sinner that repenteth end of chapter 18 recording by marcia payne